kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Um, that's where we get our title from. Be it unto me. And this morning we talked about the ordinary life and how God is the God of the ordinary. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about one of the most extraordinary things that God has ever done. But it was done through an ordinary girl. Uh, we talk about prayer an awful lot. And normally um, when we preach or teach on prayer, it's a lot of you know the different types of prayer, how to pray, effective prayer, importance of prayer, things like that, which we've done several times and we'll continue to do that. Um, and we're not, not going to do that this time, but they're going to focus on a, a short prayer that Mary, I guess we could say she prayed uh, in the Bible, a short conversation she had with Gabriel. Um, we're going into the month of December soon, uh, which is the time of year where we tend to focus on the Christmas story. And um, so I'm not going to need a lot of time setting up the story. Partly because, you know, it's probably one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. Um, we've preached it to death, me being myself. Um, but we have this, this young lady named Mary. She's engaged to a feller of indeterminate age named Joseph. Um, they have yet to wed, but it's supposed to happen sometime soon. Mary, she has an older cousin named Elizabeth, and now... Liz, as she's affectionately known, has she hasn't had children yet. And now she's at the age where she's too old to have children. And an angel shows up to her husband, Zacharias. Well, he's working in the temple and tells him they're going to have a baby boy who will grow up to be the forerunner for the coming Messiah. This is incredible news. And this guy, he wants a sign that other than, you know, his elderly wife being with child. And so the angel... Gabriel tells Zacharias, fine, you know, you won't be able to speak until that happens. And lo and behold, the man is speechless for over nine months. And after about six months after Gabriel shows up to Zach, he shows up to this young bonnie lass named Mary. And uh, hopefully you remember most of this story. None of this has been shocking to you, I don't think. But Gabriel shows up and he tells Mary that she's been chosen by God to be the one that brings the Messiah into the world and says that she's going to have a baby and she's to name him Jesus. And she has some questions about how that's going to work out, seeing as she's never done the thing that results in babies being born before. And so Gabriel tells her that God will take care of it and that this child will be called Holy the Son of God. And he also tells her about her cousin Elizabeth and says that with God, nothing is impossible. We've got old ladies 
having babies, and we've got round, young virgins having babies. And this is a huge thing. And she's going to bring the Messiah into the world, and she's going to bring the man who will die for her sins, for the sins of the world, into the world. And, and along with that will come questions. She's going to go down a road that no one else has ever gone down or will ever go down. There's going to be pain in Mary's life. There's going to be some difficult times. She's going to have to be the one that raises the Son of God. No one else has ever done this or will. It's a lonely road that Mary is embarking on. And she's just a young girl waiting to be married to her fiancé, planning their wedding, and now everything is up in the air. Will Joseph still want to marry her? What is her family going to say? What are the neighbors going to say? How is she going to provide for this baby? Is this even happening? Or am I imagining the whole thing? All kinds of questions, no doubt, circling in Mary's mind like it would with any of us. You know, there's always questions when God says he's going to use you or God's calling you to do something. You know, how is this going to work out? How am I going to pay for this? Uh, you know, what's going to happen when we get there or whatever? But instead of voicing any questions other than, she says, how can this be? Mary accepts a word from God through Gabriel. And she responds with one of the most incredible lines in all of scriptures. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you can look at this as a prayer, Mary is praying, if you will, a prayer of submission. And that is a prayer that we can all pray. And a quick little response to what the angel tells her. Uh, after that, she runs to Elizabeth's house, most likely to confirm what she's heard from Gabriel. But what does she pray and what does she say? Verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Such faith, such trust that Mary has. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. A simple statement, a simple, a simple prayer or um, submission to God. But we're going to look at three points from this simple statement she makes and how we can apply these principles in our own lives and our own prayers. Because believe it or not, God still tries to work in our lives. And in order to do that, we need to submit to him like Mary. So the first thing we can learn from Mary's little conversation with the angel is that first off, she submits herself as a servant. She says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. It's one thing to pray and to hear from God. It's one thing to have an angel show up and give you a message. It's one thing to hear a word from God. It's, you know, to be in a service where conviction is flowing and feel like God has called us and God is speaking to us about something, but it's a whole other thing to submit to it. We like to preach about submission and tell everyone they need to listen to us as preachers. But on the other end, no one can tell us what to do. But somewhere in the middle is where we should be. Some people abuse the word submission and sometimes we hear it and we get a little the law. I don't know. We balk. Is that the word? At it. We had hair and we get up in the back of our necks. But simply defined, if we break the word submission up into two parts, we've got sub 
and mission. Sub means to be under, and the mission is your goals, your dreams, or your plans. So submission is putting our goals, our dreams, our plans under someone else's. And in this case, we're talking about God's. Even though Mary was going to bring the Son of God into the world, she still saw herself as a handmaiden of God. Mary probably, if she's like anyone else, had some plans for her life. She probably had some goals. She was engaged and going to be married and just going to have her own little home and hopefully have some children and, and raise them right and, and all those sorts of things. But Mary, she heard the plan from God and she heard the call from God, if you will, and her response wasn't to try to figure everything out or have all the details or have every question or thought answered. And instead, right off the bat, she submits to God's plan. There was a good chance that she could lose all those other dreams that she might have had. There's a good chance that Joseph wouldn't want to marry her anymore. Who's going to believe that she's with child and was faithful to him? You know, there's a good chance, you know, anyone, no one's going to want to marry her if this comes out. There's a good chance she would be giving up her whole plans, all the things she had, all the hopes and goals and dreams she had for her life. But her response was simply, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Or in other words, I am your servant. If we can be honest with ourselves, if we've been in church for any amount of time, no doubt we've been here once or twice. God's spirit is moving. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking through his spirit. Maybe convictions flowing. God's doing a work and we feel called or we feel pulled into a direction. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's a closer walk with him. Maybe it's to remove things from our lives, give something up, to sacrifice. Maybe it's to pray more or to fast or maybe it's to, to reach out and pray for someone or their situation. Maybe it's to share a word that God's given you with someone else or maybe encourage someone or just witness to that person at work. There's something that God's trying to call us to do and we'll gladly respond with this. We'll say, behold, I am your servant, or I'll do whatever you're asking me. Jesus, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll sacrifice. I will submit. I'm your servant. I'll do the thing. I'll go where you send me. I'll pray the prayer. I'll give it up. I'll, I'll do whatever you're asking. But the thing is, a whole lot of times when we get up from that prayer and the real world hits again and we have to do the thing, we don't really want to. I don't really want to go to that place. I don't really want to give that thing up. I like that thing. You know, it's not really hurting anything. I can't really afford to give that much. Why did I say I would? I, I, if I don't you know, pray or pray that prayer, or if I don't talk to that person, is it really going to make a difference? If I do it, is anything really going to happen? And we tend to like the idea of being a servant when we're in those moments and being used by God, but on the practical side of it, it's not as comfortable. We don't like it so much. We like the appeal and the, 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 I don't know, glitz and glamour, if you will, the testimony. Oh, God, work through me. But we don't like the, the test that we have to go through to, to get it. You know, we like to be the missionary who sees hundreds and thousands filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, but I don't want to put the work in and fast and pray and give up the things I have to give up to get there. I don't want to go live in that place where 
I'm worried about getting food poisoning every time I go out to eat, or I don't want to, you know, be away from my family for four or five years at a time. I don't want to miss all these birthdays and celebrations, and you know, we will say we want to do something, but then when it comes, you know, we're less likely to do it. And meanwhile, we've got people like Mary and Peter and Paul and Barnabas in the Bible who literally gave up everything. We've got missionaries who have sacrificed family time, you know, being there for all the things, um, birthdays, celebrations, sometimes comforts, reliable internet at times. You know, I've heard, it's different now, it's a little bit easier, but I heard stories of people going in the 60s and 50s and 60s and 70s and you couldn't even call home. Forget about internet. You had to go to the post office and wait in line and hope a line, you know, try to call and hope a line opened up and I hope that person was there. And maybe you'd be able to hear them, maybe not. We've got local saints who will sacrifice and pray and teach the Bible studies and work with those people and be used in the gifts and be used in prayer and these things. And we can sometimes look at them and wonder, why is that not me? Why am I not? Matthew 22 and 14 says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And it comes from this first step, truly submitting to God and his will, because God is calling. But we need to respond like Mary. Mary said, I am your servant. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. A servant in those days had no rights. A servant doesn't call the shots. A servant doesn't argue with the master. A servant does not refuse what the master tells them to do. A servant doesn't throw a fit and go on strike when they don't get their way and refuse to do it. A servant doesn't skip out of work because they just can't, they can't deal with it today. We want to be the one that God uses, but we don't want to be the servant. And I got news for you, honey bunches of oats. It's not going to work. You cannot be the servant and call the shots. You cannot be the servant and argue when the master tells you to go or what the master tells you to do. You cannot be a servant and refuse to do the work and throw a fit if things don't go our way. You can't be a servant and skip out on church and responsibilities and callings whenever you feel like it. That's not how servanthood works. And what are we all striving to hear Jesus say in the end? The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in into the joy. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. A servant is submitted completely. A servant takes their will and their goals and their desires and their plans and puts them under the masters. And until we're willing to do that, we'll stay where, right where we are. And God will find someone else who will. God is asking the same question he asked Isaiah today. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he's looking for someone to answer and say, here am I, send me. And Mary said very similar. She said, I am your handmaiden. And then the second thing after Mary said that, she let it happen. She said, be it unto me. All these things that you've said, be it unto me. A lot of times we'll do the first step and we'll tell God, you know, I am your servant. But then when he starts working, we'll fight it. Instead, Mary said, be it unto me. In other words, let it happen. Whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is that you're saying, let it happen to me. It's one thing to say, I am your servant. 
It's another thing to live in. Sometimes we tell God that we will do whatever he wants or we'll allow him to work in our lives. But when he starts, we don't like it. If you ask someone who's been used by God, there are times when you wonder if you're crazy. There are times when you wonder if this is what you're supposed to be doing. I told you about the first time we stepped off a plane in Benin. It was dark. I know every time I'd ever flown anywhere, you kind of they have those weird tunnel things that you walk through and you go right into the airport. No, not in Benin. You go down to the pavement. And then I think there was a shuttle or something. A weird bus thing that showed up and everybody's crammed in. And we stepped off the plane and, and it was dark and the warm air hit us and the smell. If you've ever been to any part of Africa, at least West Africa, there's a smell. And I don't know how to describe it. But it smells different than here. The air smells different. I don't know, dirt and smoke or something. Everything, everyone burns everything. They cook over open fires a lot. There's dirt roads everywhere. There's sand blowing um, from the desert. Uh, there's, it's just this, this, I remember stepping off the plane and, and what are we doing here? What have I done to my family? That's the first thing I thought. It wasn't like, yes, here we go. Let's go have revival. The first thing I thought when I stepped off the plane was, what have I done to my family? <laughs> this is terrible. We made our way to the airport and it was crazy. They didn't know. They couldn't tell our kids apart because we all looked the same to them. It was wild. We finally made it through and all the and when we saw the missionaries, it was the first you know, I've never been so excited, I said to them to see someone I've never met in all my life. It was crazy. Going through customs, we don't speak the language, we don't know what's going on. It was it was something. And I remember thinking, you know, what are we doing here? And there's this moment when I need to decide, you know. I know I couldn't just turn around and get back on the plane and go home. I thought about it. Well, there's this moment where you need to decide, am I a servant or not? Am I going to do, you know, his will? You know, am I going to let it happen to me? Or am I not? It's the same, not to the extreme, because um, when we loaded up the U-Haul and made our way to the, the ferry to move here, it was the same sort of thing. At least, you know, this way I can bail quicker and go home if I needed to. Didn't need to take a plane or whatever. But it's the same thing, you know, when we step out in anything, in prayer and worship, we step out in faith to do anything, there's a moment where we need to decide, am I going to let his will be done to me? Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, one of the things we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is something we're supposed to pray. This is the, the, the guideline of what he gave us and how to pray. And as a servant, you know, our prayer should be, what is your will today? God, what is your plan today, Lord? What are we going to do today? Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom, not mine, but yours. You are the master. You are the Lord. I am the servant. Be it unto me. And we can get caught up in the moments when God is speaking and calling and saying, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll go. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Speak through me. Do whatever you want to do through me. But when push comes to shove, sometimes we back down. And this is where the called are separated from the chosen. We think of the story of young 
Samuel, he did the same kind of prayer. God called him four times before he figured it out it was God. And the old priest, Eli, who had been training and caring for and raising up Samuel because his mother dedicated him back to God, you know, he says, um, and Sam, for Samuel 3 and 10, the Lord came and stood and called us at other times Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. The same thing here, I, you know, I am your servant. And God gave him a word, basically, that there was going to be judgment for Eli, the man who was like a father to Samuel. Talk about awkward. God gave this message to this little kid. I want you to go and tell the guy that's been taking care of you that I'm going to judge him. Whew. That's not comfortable. Being a servant is not a comfortable thing. Samuel did it. Mary did what she was, God was asking. And you'll be asked to do things you don't want to do. You'll be asked to step out of your comfort zone. I don't know why I am up here preaching. I don't know how this happened, but here we are. You know, I was in French in grade 11, and I made to do a presentation in front of the class in order to, to grade. I was in the high, the high level. And uh, in order to keep the level one, I had to do a presentation, and I dropped I was like, well, level two, you don't have to. I'm taking level two now. Halfway through, I switched because I did not want to do a presentation in front of the class. I refused to do it. And I don't know how I ended up here. This is not comfortable. But here we are. You're all looking at me every day. That's how it works. God will put you in places maybe you didn't want to be or you thought you would be. Servants, just do and let it happen. Be it unto me. We need to, have, uh, to let his will be accomplished in her life. Mary was going to have to be pregnant. She's going to have to do all the things that go along with that. She's going to have to risk everything, her future, her, her reputation. Um, but she did, and she let it happen. And the third thing is Mary, she trusted the word. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. And there will come times, uh, there will be times as a servant, there will be times when, as someone who is living submitted to Jesus, when all we have to hold on to is the word of God. And there are times when all we have are those promises that he's given us, that calling that he's placed in us. I told you before, back to Africa, we were there, and it was the time I tried to preach, and it was just a disaster. Nothing, you know, the interpreter couldn't understand my French. I didn't know enough French to try to say it another way. The missionary tried to interpret for me, in English to French, and he couldn't understand it. It was just a mess. And then finally one guy got angry and was like, listen, I'm going to straighten this out, and we finally got through, and I just wanted to crawl under a rock and disappear. And I remember thinking, God, why am I, what am I even doing here? And God was like, no, I will put you here. And I felt that, you know, I, and I held on to that. And we made it through, and it was one of the most incredible altar calls I've ever been a part of. And that's what happened. But I had to hold on to that word. There are times when all we have are these promises that God's given us and the calling that he's placed in us. And when Mary was struggling with morning sickness, and while she was wondering what Joseph was going to do, and while they were walking 150 kilometers to Bethlehem, and while they were struggling to find a place to stay, and while she was raising the Son of God, and while she was standing by the cross, and her firstborn was bleeding and dying, and the crowd was he was dying for was mocking and laughing him. She had to hold on to that word. When you step off a plane in a foreign country, you step behind the pulpit, or you sing that 
special song when you open that Bible to teach someone when you stand in front of those kids in Sunday school, when you pray for your family, when you intercede for that need, when you feel alone, when you're questioning everything, you need to trust the word. If he said it, he will do it. We put our trust in all kinds of things, money, people, institutions, government, political parties, doctors, courts, family, leaders, sometimes even ourselves. But all of these things can and will fail us. In the New International Version, it says that Gabriel tells Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. If God calls you, he can do the work. If God said it, he will do it. Submitting involves trusting the word of God. When everything is falling down around us, hold on to the word. His word says that you're called. His word says that you're delivered. His word says that you're healed, that you're redeemed and restored and set free. So we need to hold on to that word. I don't know if we can have music or not. Let me try. So what happens as a result from Mary saying these things? The first thing is God protects Mary. A big concern that we always bring up was Joseph. You know, her not being married and the potential shame that would be put on Mary from society. Don't misunderstand me. Mary has done nothing wrong. There is no need for her to be ashamed, but yet we know how people can be. When Mary submitted herself to the will of God and prayed this prayer, God covered her. And what happens? Joseph was wondering if he, she, if he should divorce her quietly. And what does God do? He sends an angel to Joseph in a dream to tell him to marry Mary. And then he has them move away and they have the baby born elsewhere where no one would know them. When no one would know that they weren't you know, married yet or would know the story. And, and you know, when people get married and a baby comes rather quickly. They start doing the math. If you have a baby in the first year, people start doing math. Everyone becomes an expert. If you look at it, in the middle of all these prophecies being fulfilled and all this stuff going on, God has his hand on Mary and he's protecting her from the scorn and the judgment of the sour old gossips in the neighborhood. And when we submit to the will and plan of God, there's always some sort of risk. There's always something that could go wrong. There's always something that we're worried or concerned about. But God takes care of that. He protects us. And he shelters us. And there's precedent for that all through the Bible. But he doesn't tell you what he's going to do right off. God makes a way. Gideon and his little army, and what they were doing had to make any sense. But God went ahead of them. Joshua and Jericho had to make any sense. David and Goliath. They didn't know how, David didn't know how it was going to go. Daniel and the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the disciples in the storm, Paul and Silas in prison, Peter in prison. You know, these people went into these things having no idea what God was going to do. People in the will of God submitted to the will of God, and God led them through impossible situations. When we went on AIM, our biggest concern was the money and how our kids would do with the the travel and, and being there. I don't know how God provided the money quickly. We didn't even raise the entire budget. And we had some left over. I don't know how that happened, but it did. It still amazes me. Our, tra- our kids traveled better than the adults. And they loved it every moment. They loved playing outside all day, watching the lizards run around, eating all the mangoes they could get. And when we are submitted, he will protect and he will lead us. 
The second thing is God used her to bring Jesus to the world. Literally. This one's obvious. Mary brought Jesus to the world. And while we can't bring Jesus to the world the same way that Mary did, when we live a life submitted to him and we pray this type of prayer on a regular basis, we will be used to bring Jesus to our world. Our friends, our neighbors, our family, maybe foreign countries, maybe new cities and towns. When we live submitted, we are bringing Jesus to our world. And any concerns that Mary had were converted to praise. Mary goes and she sees Elizabeth and everything is confirmed. And she breaks out in the song of praise. And we've covered this before once upon a time. Probably my favorite series we've done, the poetry around the Christmas story. But Luke 1, 46, as Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. For his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength in his arm. with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and as he spake for, to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. If we had time, I'd go through that praise again, but go through it all one by one. But a submitted life is also a life of praise. You can't truthfully and lovingly serve without praising the Master. And this is Mary's response to God confirming His word. It was praise. She doesn't freak out. She doesn't back out. She doesn't focus on the negatives or the worries, the concerns, the stuff, the opinions, the what-ifs, or the how, how is this going to work? She praises and focuses on God and His goodness. Can we say the same? When we have questions, you know, like, how's this going to work out? Why do you want me to do this? And we have doubts, like, I can't, I can't do this. Can we still praise Him? Can we take those concerns and can we convert them into praise? And so, we're going to just spend some time in our prayer like we do. Maybe God's been calling you to do something. Maybe He's trying to get through, but we've been stubborn. You can pray like Mary. Today, be it unto me. Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And we can turn that into praise. We can pray, be a servant, let it happen. Trust the word and praise. Take those concerns and convert them into praise. My God is too good to not follow through. She said, God's done all these things. Had nothing to do with what he was doing in her. She was just praising him for all the things that he'd done before. And that, that does something to us. We praise Him for all the things that He's done before. My God's too good to not follow through. My God answers prayer. My God's going to take care of it. He's taken care of all kinds of things before. Turn it into praise. Well, I'm done. A very good ending. We're going to open the altar. If God's been working on you, if God's been calling you to do something, if God's been trying to get you to step out in faith or whatever it is, you know what it is. 
has been talking to you tonight. Oh, we pray that prayer tonight. I'm your servant, God. Hallelujah. Be it unto me. Whatever it is you want to do in my life, I surrender to you. According to your word, all the things that you're saying, all the promises you've made, I'm going to hold on to those. And as we do that, why don't we praise him? Why don't we thank him for his goodness? Why don't we thank him for his calling? Why don't we thank him for what he's done and what he's going to do? I'm going to open the altar. If you want to come and pray, if you want to know someone that God's working on, why don't you pray with them? Encourage them tonight. God's working. Hallelujah. Be it unto me.